Hello, good morning, a happy new year, and a big welcome to the very first day of 2017. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, as Elliot mentioned, my name is Matt. Um, I'm the youth pastor here at Seabreeze, so I spend most of my Sunday mornings uh, more on that side of campus. Uh, but this morning, I, I do get to be over here to speak with the youth as well as uh, the adults, so I'm excited about that. Today is New Year's Day. And it's a time when most uh, people decide to come up with resolutions, decide to come up with goals uh, for this next year, how to change their life uh, for the better. And this could be uh, something having to do with diet, lifestyle, uh, financial, some kind of change uh, maybe in your spiritual life. Um, it might be something as simple as trying a new haircut or deciding you want to wear more hats uh, this next year. Uh, there's kind of a wide range on what these goals are. But I think it's safe to say that people, for the most part, have the intention to do better, to, to improve. And that is true in all areas and, and walks of life. Uh, in August of this year, my wife Laura and I uh, welcomed our firstborn um, into the world. Uh, so now I have the uh, privilege and the responsibility. That's Kai saying, uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, I have the, uh, the privilege and the responsibility of being um, a father to, uh, to my son, Kaisen. And he has intentions um, at this young age. About a month ago, he started discovering he has hands and he wants to help do stuff with his hands. So when you'd put a pacifier in his mouth, he would reach up to help you to hold it in his mouth. And normally what would end up happening is he would just smack it out of his mouth and it would end up on the floor and he would be sad. He would be crying. But his intentions were to help. His intentions were, I want to hold that chewy goodness in my mouth. But the outcome was not what he desired. It was actually quite the opposite. And I do the same thing in my life. I, uh, I recently had an area brought to my attention that annoyed some people um, in my life. And an area that I thought I was actually being helpful um, in, I found out was, was actually not quite as helpful that I, as, I, as I thought it was. Um, if you don't know me, um, I can get kind of obsessed with like random um, situations in my life. And one of those is the dishes. Um, if I have dirty dishes in my house, they have to get done. And when this mood strikes, um, it doesn't matter what else is going on. I must accomplish uh, that task. To the point where if my wife, Laura, is, you know, setting like dishes out to, to set the table or to prep for dinner, I grab them, clean them, and I start putting them away. I have no attention to what else is going on. I have guests that are over. When I'm done and it's time to, to do the dishes, I'll take your fork and your spoon and whatever you're not eating and I'll start washing it for you because you obviously don't need that anymore. Now, my wife, you know, she lets me know that she loves and, and appreciates the fact that uh, I do the dishes, but she also says, you know, it's, it's okay to wait. It doesn't necessarily have to happen uh, right now. My friends are more like, dude, super annoying uh, when you start doing the dishes while we're still eating. <laughs> now, now, my intention is not to bother people. My intention is not to come across as unwelcoming, please leave my home. I initially thought that it was as simple as I have a desire to, to have a clean kitchen, to, to do the dishes. Something we, we can all relate to. We all desire um, a clean kitchen. No one wants a, a dirty kitchen. But as I was processing it out, as I was thinking about it and talking about it, as I was preparing for this message, I started to realize that a lot of the time there was more going on than just the dishes. There was an ulterior motive that was underneath it. You see, yes, I wanted the dishes done. But more importantly, I wanted it done on my timeline. 
I wanted it done when it was convenient to me, when, when I wanted to do it. It didn't matter that my wife was trying to cook or I have guests over because the priority was my own selfishness, that I wanted the dishes done when it worked for me, and it didn't matter what else was going on. And I get it. You might think, okay, that's a little small and weird. It's, it's dishes. And, and I'm right there with you because when I was thinking about this, I was like, that, it's, it's dishes, right? But then I started to realize this is what we do in a lot of areas in our life. We start to do this in both the physical world as well as the spiritual world. We, we have good intentions, but our good intentions don't necessarily equal the right outcome. We can easily think we have good intentions, but when we, when we dive deeper, deeper, when we look at what's lying underneath it, we'll find that there are faulty beliefs or that our priorities are out of whack. And because of this, we need to take time to look at both the big and the little things in our life to discover what is that underlying motive? What is that underlying desire that is going on? Uh, throughout Jesus' time here on earth, he interacted a lot with uh, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, but they too were, were full of, of good intentions. They had traditions that they wanted to follow. And I want to read to you uh, from Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, an example of this. It says, uh, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? You see, the Pharisees were very concerned about the traditions of the elders, making sure their hands were clean, the cups, the pots, the kettles were all washed according to the requirements of the law. And later on in this chapter, Jesus calls them out, telling them they're more concerned with human traditions, with what the humans had, had set in place, than they were concerned with God's command and what, what he desired. But what I find most interesting about this whole situation is, is when you go back to when these laws or these traditions started, they actually started with good intention. The people that set these laws in place was set them in place to keep the Israelites focused on God. There was a line of, of sin they didn't want them to break, so they set laws to keep them away from that. God had given them commands to obey, and they were like, let's put laws in place to keep them over here, to err on the side of caution. But what ended up happening was the intentions were good, but over time they became misleading. They became the focus. People were focusing more on what man wanted than on the commands that God had given them and what was truly the most important. You see, God is more concerned that our actions come out of a motivation that aligns with his desires than he is concerned with just the intent of our actions, our intended actions. A great example of this is found in Matthew 21. Uh, it's the story of a man who has two sons, and Jesus is once again uh, talking uh, with, with the Pharisees, and he tells this parable. It's Matthew 21, uh, verse 28 through 31. It says this, What do you think? This is uh, Jesus asking the Pharisees. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But he later changed his mind and went. 
Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. See, this parable shows the difference between the intention and the actual action. The first son was like, I'm not going to do it. But he then went and did it. The second son said he was going to do it, had the intention of doing it, but then never actually followed through, never did what his father had asked. And in our lives, many of us want to, to be closer to God, want to be a better Christ follower, want to honor him in our marriage, in our relationships, um, in our families, at school, at work, on the teams that we are on. We want to have a character that is closer to God. But does that desire move past being just a desire? Does that intention become action? You see, being a Christ follower requires action. If we are going to move towards a Christ-centered life, it takes intentionality and it also takes action to make sure we continue to head in the direction um, of God. And most Christians will fall into one or two viewpoints when it comes to living the, their Christian life. There's the, the Christian in a box method and then there's a directional Christianity where your, your goal and your motives is to move into a deeper relationship with God. The, uh, the Christian in a box perspective is you kind of make the walls of the Christian life out of God's commands, out of, out of the traditions of, of what are, what's in the Bible. It becomes kind of the requirements to become a Christian. And they live their life based off of kind of a to-do or not-to-do list. There's, you need to go to church so that I'm good. I can't smoke or, or swear. I need to... to be nice, to serve for people. I need to be happy. I need to do what I can to get into that box that is the Christian life. And what most people, when they view the Christian life like this, they do just enough to step inside of the box, check off just enough on the list that they can say, I'm a Christian because I'm in this box. But what happens is is their walk with God becomes a lot about their personal righteousness. It comes a lot about their own abilities. And when they get to the point where they're in that box, they kind of view life as, I can now do what I want to make myself happy as long as I'm checking off enough to get inside of that box. The other idea is, is directional Christianity. And this is the result of a deep love and a desire to continue to move closer to God in what you do. It's based off of a belief that following God's commands, following God's path is truly the best way that you can live your life. And your goal becomes to live as closely to God, to have as close of a relationship with him as possible in this life. The idea is, is what I'm doing, are my motives moving me closer to God? Is what I'm doing moving other people closer to God and pointing them in his direction? The overall goal is, am I moving towards God? Now, recently, I had the privilege of uh, spending a week in Tokyo with our senior pastor, Bevan, and I got to meet uh, Seiji and Kathy um, Oyama. There's a picture of me and uh, Seiji up here. But Seiji is the pastor of the uh, biblical church um, in Tokyo. And what really stood out to me while I was there was, was their intentionality. And specifically, one area that jumped out at me was their intentionality in where they went to eat. I'd never really thought about going matters about where I eat, but Seiji explained to me the reasoning behind where they went. That it was 
a place that was more family-owned, it was small, that they couldn't necessarily get out or go and meet people. It was a place that they had to be at that restaurant in order to survive and make ends meet. So Seiji and his wife would go to this restaurant to meet the families, to develop a relationship so that they could eventually share their, their, who God is, their relationship with Christ. Their intention of moving people towards Christ became an action through specific thought-out steps that they were taking. So, how do we make sure our intentions go beyond uh, just the desire and actually become an action? How do we make sure uh, the right message um, is coming across? That our intentionality, our intention becomes a reality. This morning, we're going to look at uh, three planks that I think will help you bridge the gap between intention um, and action. Uh, the very first one, is set road signs and guideposts in place. When we set up boundaries and, and guidelines, it, it means we can't just live our life any way that, that we want to. It means that we're, we're living it with purpose. There is a goal. We are moving closer to God, and it requires limiting what we do. Uh, Jeremiah says this in chapter 31, verse 28 of, of the book of Jeremiah. Set up road signs, put up guideposts, Take note of the highway, the road that you take. Return, virgin Israel, return to your towns. You see, the boundaries and the guidelines that we set are, are really the road signs or the guideposts that we have in place of our life. Jeremiah knew that, that we will wander, our minds will wander if there's not a limit around them. If we don't set something to keep it in, in, in a structure. And it can lead out to all kinds of things, um, anger, worry, complaining, arrogance, selfishness. You can imagine how, how quickly the list uh, can grow. But what tends to happen is we naturally start to think that these boundaries are limiting our life, that it's taking away our freedom, that it's preventing us from doing what uh, we want to do. We're being told what we can and can't do. But in reality... This is actually giving us power. This, this self-discipline that we're learning allows us to live a life differently. It allows us to live a life in a way that pleases God. I want you to picture this. You, you find yourself um, trapped in a swamp in the Amazon. And uh, it's full of hidden traps, poisonous snakes, and whatnot to prevent you from getting out. And you have two ways to go through this swamp. You can A, just go for it and see what happens, or B, you can have a map that lists where everything is and tells you how to get through that swamp. You're going to take 10 out of 10 times option B, right? Give me the map so that I can make it through. And that is how we need to be viewing the Bible. That is how we need to be viewing God's word. It is a map for our life, how we get through it in the way that he designed it. We cannot go through our lives living it the way God designed on our own. No amount of, of our good intentions to live a good Christian life, no amount of us trying our hardest is going to accomplish what only God can do and only the Holy Spirit can do. And that's change our desires. That's change our values and our perspectives to match God's. This can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it only can be done as we're willingly adjusting our life to match in the way that he leads. You see, a life without limits is, is a lot like nature without limits. When a river has no bank, it ends up becoming a swamp. 
When uh, there's a force that has no limits, it will just cause a bunch of destruction. A fire that isn't controlled will continue to rage out of control. A road that has no signs will lead uh, to you getting lost. If you have a mind that has no limits, no parameters, it's insanity. And a life that has no direction, a life that has no limits, is actually a wasted life. So what do we do? Well, we start to take steps to protect and guard our, our hearts from all that is going on in this world. And, and one of the best ways that we, we have uh, for that to happen um, at Seabreeze is through our growth group system. Um, the next semester of growth group does start in a couple of weeks, and you have uh, the opportunity to sign up in your connection cards or outside um, or online. But the goal of these groups, it's designed to help us walk with God. It's designed for us to have people to encourage us as we go down uh, this path with like-minded people, people who will help set up road signs, people who will help keep our guideposts in check and will encourage us in our daily life. My wife, Laura, and I are looking at doing uh, the Thursday night growth group about shepherding a child's heart. And we know that in order to do that, it means that there is a boundary set around Thursday night. We will be limited because of that decision. But the goal is to learn how to raise a child that honors God in the future. So not only will we be limited with that, but we will be there to learn future limitations in order to keep our family and our son on a path that honors God. To, to have a community that will help us as we grow and head in that direction. You see, we grow best in a community, in a community full of, of people that can point out uh, what they see in our life, um, areas that, that we need to change to move fo- uh, closer to God or, or focus on God, areas that um, our attention might be out of line or our desires are out of line with what God has. We want to, to remember all of these things as we go through our life. So what we do is, is we write down your road signs and your guideposts. What is the point of this? Well, it allows us to keep heading in the right direction. It allows us to to be aware if we struggle in a certain area, how do we respond to that? How do we stay away from it? If God brings to our attention an area that uh, we need to adjust or work, we write it down so we can figure out how do we handle it the next time? How do we change it um, in the future? How do we adjust our life to live according uh, to, to his plans? I'm at Seabreeze, uh, we have the heart attitudes. Uh, They are up on on the screen behind me. And this could be a great place uh, to start a a list like this for yourself. The heart attitudes are written in multiple places around the campus, in the offices, um, in in some of the classrooms. Um, I have it at my desk. But the goal of this is to be a reminder throughout the day of how to respect people and how to honor God, how to respect and honor both God and people. How do we face a certain situation and be able to take a mental note of in this situation, am I living honestly and openly? In this situation, might I need to clear something up? Do I need to participate in this work? There's a way to keep us focused on God as we go about our day. And as you start to to pay attention, as we start to pay attention and listen uh, to the Holy Spirit, he will continue to reveal more and more of what is going on in our life. He will reveal areas about our marriages, our relationships, our finances, our personal lives, areas uh, that need to change or or need to just be adjusted a little bit. We all need uh, to pay attention to what God is saying so that we can get our lives on track 
with his plan and his desires. We need to know if we are heading towards the goal or if we are missing the goal altogether. Once we start uh, paying attention and listening for the Holy Spirit, we must decide how we're going to handle it. How are we going uh, to respond to this information? And and you can choose to, to confess, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for help, to change that area in your life, or you can choose to, to try to go about it on your own and just keep moving life in your own uh, direction. But the goal of these signs, the goal of these guideposts is not to limit, it's not to hinder our lives but in fact, to, to save our lives. You see, if you're, if you're driving down a road and there is a warning sign that says cliff, your first instinct isn't that sign is limiting how I can drive and where I can go. No, you're thanking it, letting you know there is a cliff that direction. It's saving you, your life. And that is what the Holy Spirit is here to do for us. That is what the Bible is about, to live our life in a way that saves us and protects us from all of the the pitfalls that are out there. And we are able to move in the direction of God as we put the knowledge and the promptings of the Holy Spirit into action. We practice what we know. This is the second plank that helps us move from intention to action. We, We practice what we know. Once we are aware of what God wants us to change in our life, we need to take those action steps to to be able to practice them. Um, I personally, zero musical talent whatsoever. If there's something less than zero, that's what I have. But our band, they're awesome. They have some great musical talent. They came up here uh, to lead us um, in worship. However, this didn't happen because they decided this morning to, to just wake up and play instruments. It happened because they practiced alone and then they practiced together to, to lead in this, in this band. And it goes back even further than that. It happened when they wanted to learn an instrument in the first place and they got the knowledge and they started practicing it so they could get to the level to play, so they could get to the level to be in a band. It happened at each decision point when it was, can I practice or can I play video games? Can I practice or do I binge watch a series on Netflix? Can I practice or do I do this? It happened as they put what they learned into action. Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 says this. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We get the milk. We we get the information. And from that point, we decide the path that we're going to choose, how we're going to walk, how we're going to use that information. God's word becomes solid food when we choose uh, to act on it, when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us power to do that. The verse says, by constant use, by practice, by regularly doing this, that is, that's how you mature. We take the information and we use it over and over and over again. As we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, agreeing that his ways are better, agreeing that his path is the best way for us to live. He changes our heart in a way that previously uh, would have been impossible, in a way that that a lasting change will take place, in a way that uh, a change benefits not only ourselves, but benefits uh, the people that we come in contact with, but most importantly, is pleasing to God in the way that we are living, in the way that we are going about our life. And when we continue to practice what we know, when we continue to to do this, we are able to, to see a history of our life changing. We're able to see 
how we can look back and what we've changed, what's, what's, what's adjusted in our life. How has our faith impacted what we are doing over time? And this change, it becomes the proof of our faith in our life. It becomes the proof of our faith in our own life and the proof of our faith in the people that are watching us go through life. And that's the third plank that helps us move from intention to action. It's we look for proof of your faith. There's a, there's a lot of faith in this world, and pretty much everyone will admit that they have um, a faith in, in something. But the question that we need to be able to answer is, is, is there proof that your faith is healthy? Is there proof in your family of your faith? Is there proof in your workplace, at your school, in your community, with your friends of your faith? Is there proof in your life of your faith in God? 1 Peter 1.7 says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, when Jesus returns, he doesn't want to to only find faith. He also wants to find proof of that. He wants to see it coming out in action. And he says it this way in John uh, chapter 14, verse 15. It says, If you love me, keep my commands. Loving God, trusting God, cannot be separated from acting in a way that honors and pleases him. Our actions show that our life has changed because of the faith that we have, because of the Holy Spirit. The way that we are living is different than it was before we started following God. If we ask ourselves, am I a better person this year than I was last? Am I a better child, a better parent? Am I a better employee, student, spouse? Because of my faith, am I moving closer to God? If our answer to those questions is a no, or there is no change, then there is no proof of our faith. And odds are there is something wrong with how that that faith is rooted. For example, if, if I want to, to be able to, to give more, I would look at my bank account to see if that backs it up. If I want to be able to spend more time with my wife and show her that she's valued to me, I would look in my phone or on my calendar to see are there time periods blocked out for her. If the answers are no, then there is no proof of that happening. And the more proof we have of our faith, the more confidence we gain as we continue to walk and grow in our faith. Our faith in in God is reflected by the path that we choose to live our life. And and God becomes more visible um, in our life to the people that know us because they see our faith in action. And we become more confident that he is ever-present, that he is ever-ready, that he is always there to help as we continue to pursue him and make him a priority and adjust our life accordingly. Now, with the information covered today, as as with really any information, we decide what we're going to do with it. We decide how we're going to use it. Some of us might just want to be able to learn new things, so maybe we can say random facts during casual conversations or or speak more um, intelligently about about different topics. We're actually learning it to figure out how to apply, how to change our life and our relationship with God going forward. But but all of this comes down to is the answer uh, to this question. Does how I live match what I say I believe? Does how I live match what I say that I believe? 
Is faith in God reflected in the paths we choose and in our actions? Is our faith coming out in the way that we live our lives? Are our lives in the paths supporting the beliefs that we claim to have? Are, are we matching how we live with what we say that we believe? Or are we choosing to live how we want? Are we choosing to go about life in, in our own way and trying to change the beliefs to fit that? Are we trying to fit God into the life that we want to live? Does how I live match what I say that I believe? Now, my challenge to all of us is, as we leave this morning and, and kick off 2017 is to use these planks to help us match our lives with what we say we believe. To match our actions to what God desires for us to do. And as we wrap up this morning, I do have three next steps that, that I hope uh, will help each of us move closer um, in our relationship with God. The first one, I'm going to sign up for growth groups. As I mentioned, you, you can do that on a connection card. You can do it outside, online. But, but take that step to, to, to get a relationship, to get a community going that will help you go about your life and help you go through uh, your walk with God. The second is, is make a goal list for 2017. Uh, this is something that my wife Laura and I started doing recently um, because some friends did it. And we discovered we don't know if we're going in the right direction or if we're accomplishing what we want to accomplish unless we have goals that we can meet along the way, unless we know that we're heading in the right direction. And the last thing is find someone, or find someone who to, uh, to support and to encourage you. Um, this is when things are going great in your life, have someone who will support and encourage you in, in that. But when things aren't going good, have that person there who can support and lift you up in the downtimes, but also have that person who is able to call you out on areas that you might not see, on, on, on areas that you aren't aware of, so that they can support and encourage you in your walk and in your growth uh, with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, uh, we come before you uh, this, this morning with a, with a mixed bag of emotions on how our life went in, in 2016, God. But we are before you this morning thankful and hopeful for uh, the new year that you have, have given us that starts today, God. I pray that you will guide each of us um, as we prepare for 2017, uh, that we face it with, with hope and, and trust that, was, that is fully on you, God. Um, I ask that you, you guide and you, uh, you guard our hearts as we come up uh, with goals, as we come up with... Um, actions to, to take this next year, God, that you remind um, each of us to, to keep those goals uh, focused on you and honoring you, God. Um, I pray that uh, you will help us uh, remember uh, these planks as we go through uh, this next year um, and forward, God, and I pray that you will bring into our life uh, people that will support us and encourage us um, in whatever uh, life might bring at us this next year, God, people that we can rely on, people that I will continually point us uh, back to you. And then I pray that uh, this year um, is, is a year of change, a year of change for the better, a year of change that we, we grow in a deeper um, walk in relationship with you. I pray this in your name. Amen.